Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Let's Get Civical. This is the podcast that breaks down politics, government structure, and dives into the context of current events, but in a super fun way. I'm Lizzie Stewart, comedian, feminist, and political junkie. And I'm Arden Wallentowski, former Senate intern, campaign staffer, and political strategist. In this episode, we're talking about Justice Samuel Alito. So grab your Roman candle. And let's get civical. on the precipice of an emotional breakdown i am i am in my feelings oh no like, i watched rudy which is an emotionally manipulative film and one of my favorite films of all time over the weekend and it was just like a stream of tears just the whole time and i also realized that that film is me in a film but um but yeah i just feel very much i can just at a drop of the hat just be there, be emotional, be vulnerable. That's where I am. So it's a good thing we're talking about who we're talking about today. Because <laughs> anybody anybody more dicey and I would just be sobbing through this thing. Yeah, I, I don't think I'm in an emotional place where I could be handle like an upbeat. No, I don't. I can't. I don't feel my face. Like it's one of those recordings. This is a recording where I'm like... We're going to be amazing. We're going to be amazing. But this is what we do when we veer from the recording schedule. This always happens to us. It does. When we record at a different time that we're not used to, we're just like, I'm sorry, who are we? (laughs) I'm transported back to the time when we recorded late in the day. What was this for? We recorded late in the day and we also were drinking. Was it the Whiskey Rebellion one? I think it was. And also I had like been at a brunch where I was drinking. Before. Yeah. Yeah. Like you came, you came drunk. Yeah. And then we had just a straight bottle of Tennessee uh, honey whiskey. Shout out to not our sponsors, but we did love it. Um, that and- was a heavy lift of an episode. Yeah. Yeah. There were a lot, there was a lot going on. And I remember I got like to page like four of seven reading and I was like, this is not. <laughs> This is dicey at this point. We're not good at this. Yeah. Uh, yes. So this is just what happens when we record. I just feel any time past 2 p.m. It's not Regardless good. of if we're drinking or not. It's the witching hour. Look. It's the witching hour. It's twilight. Yeah. Um, you know, the moon is out, maybe. I'm not sure. I haven't seen her in a long time. But I assume she's there. I assume she's there. Steady as the beating drum. 
She is still orbiting the globe. That And good for her. You know, just sort of sticking to our independence. Yep. But um, but today we're continuing sort of the the greatest journey ever told, the SCOTUS biopic series. And this person is somebody we straight up did forget about. Uh, but now I will never forget him again. <laughs> we're just like listing off the people we had done. We were like, oh, we're finally at RBG, just sort of saving her for last, obviously. And then I was like, oh, ooh, 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 oopsies. No, no, no. Oh, time out, time out. We do have to talk about Samuel, not to be forgotten, sort of the briar of the right. Yes, if you if you could put it that way. Sure. So, uh, but he is not he is not boring, I will say. That's great. Despite despite our minor memory loss about him, he's very um I don't know, he's interesting. He's like both cookie cutter and like not cookie cutter, I find. But he's like we can... I had it there are traditional parts of me, but I'm also trying to break out of the mold. Yeah, yeah. I'm just like I can't really I don't like there's some that I'm like so gung ho for, so anti for. And Alito, I'm just like, I don't I don't think I like you, but I would entertain a coffee. Right, 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 right. You know, like I would like I just I think I would have to decide like like in like on the day. Sure. You know, I'd be curious to just see how this all ticks. <laughs> but uh, but anyways, let's just jump right in. Um, so a majority of these like facts about him are coming from CNN editorial research, which is where I get all of the stuff. And like the road to SCOTUS stuff is all from them because they do a great job on all of the justices. It's very nice. Some other fun facty things are coming from biography.com and NPR Law. Shout out to our friends over there. And then all of the court case stuff, which will be a big bulk of this, is coming from, you guessed it, oh yays. Oh yay, oh yay. Oh yay, oh yay, oh yay. Literally? My guiding light. My guiding light. I was just like, wait, I can just like, they say it better than I ever will. So this is great. Yep. So that's sort of setting us up. But let's talk just quickly about his personal life upbringing, who, where he comes from. So Samuel Anthony Alito Jr. was born in Trenton, New Jersey on April 1st, 1950. So he just had a birthday and he is 70 years old. Oh, okay. Okay. Don't brag. Hello. Hello, Aries. He was born to two teachers, Samuel Alito Sr. and Rose Fredusco. So shout out to Samuel Sr. and Rose. His father was an Italian immigrant. So he is an Italian-American human and he is married with two children and is a roman catholic so he's like the 18th one on the court yes there have been many roman catholics it's the roman part of me that i'm like this is this is going don't get mad because i was raised catholic about the question i'm about to ask is there a roman catholic and other catholic Uh, yes i don't know where the roman part of it came uh, into it is it roman and greek catholic i don't really understand like where mm. it's coming from yeah i do yeah. know the romans have like a special candle that they light that's not the easter candle that cannot be the only differentiating thing 
It is for sure not. Why'd you just be, look, one of these groups has the candle and the other doesn't. And the only reason why I think that is true is because in the epic movie, It Takes Two, starring the Olsen twins, they yes. light said candle. The Roman candle. A Roman candle. Or they, it like hits her in the head or something. Like it's how she gets one of the scars. And I mm-hmm. remember they, I, either they say it's a Roman Catholic candle or I had to ask my mom, like, what is that candle? And she said it was mm-hmm. Roman, Catholic, Roman Catholic. And I was like. Okay, it's not our Catholic. It's Roman sure. Catholic. Sure. Don't they light one of those in Hocus Pocus? Nope. That's the black flame candle. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> Which I think not is very Roman different Catholic. from the Roman Catholic candle. <laughs> Just spreading <laughs> lies and slander down here. Look. Or I there's the like 18 million Binxes running around outside somewhere. Oh my gosh. Can we just talk? He was so hot. I know he's like movie version is what, like 16 max. So it's not appropriate anymore. But Lizzie, like young Lizzie, Zachary Binks, I was like, oh my he lord. He was fine. He was fine. I, mean, I liked his I'll say it, costume. even as the cat, he was hot. He was hot as a cat. (laughs) It's the, like, pseudo-English voice, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Anywho. Okay. So, just tying it back into Samuel Alito. Yes, Roman Catholic, which is apparently different from the other Catholics. Let's talk about his education. Samuel Alito attended Steinhardt High School, where he was at the top of his class and was very involved in student politics and debates. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) After he... Graduated, he went to Princeton, where he received an A.B. or a B.A. Apparently, if it's A.B., it means it's a little more prestigious because the old schools, like, flip the acronym. Oh, all right. I I was like, what is an A.B.? And it's just a B.A., but the other way. Okay. So he got an A.B. degree in history and political science from the, you guessed it, Woodrow Wilson School of Public and International Affairs. Oh, my God. It's just it's for you. The worst place on earth. It's just like just because I, of you. I I saw that and I was like, of course, they're conspiring. Of course he did. They hate they're me. In cahoots yep. for sure. Bow show. So this is where it's a, I find it a little interesting. So while he was at Princeton, he was part of the university's ROTC program. Oh. And for those of you who doesn't know what the ROTC program is, it's the Reserve Officer Training Corps. It's a college program offered at more than 1,700 colleges and universities across the United States that prepares young adults to become officers in the U.S. military. And there's a Fun fact about why that is, but we'll save it for the end. Okay? Okay. He was in the ROTC program. He graduated from Princeton in 1972 with his degrees and a military commission as a second lieutenant. Then he went on to, you guessed it, Yield Yale, where he received his doctorate in jurisprudence in 1975. Apparently... One year, either after or before, I don't remember, Clarence Thomas. Oh. <laughs> but they were a year apart. <laughs> I forget if he was before or after, but they were in the same general sphere. Bless. And he obviously was an editor at the Yale Law Review. I mean, it is a requirement. It seems to be. Like, we should really do some intel and see if when applying for the job, if you even apply... If they're looking for editor at the law review, because it feels like everyone has been. It's like a check this box. Have you done? Have you done? Have you done? 
Guess what I have not done? I have not done. We don't qualify. We don't qualify. We simply don't. Okay. So now let's talk about his road to SCOTUS. It's going to seem familiar. So from 1976 to 1977, so just fresh out of Yeah Yale, he was a law clerk to Leonard Garth, which was who was a judge of the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Third Circuit. Okay, like you do. Like you do. So not necessarily deed and clerk for a Supreme Court justice, but the next best thing you could say. Okay, okay. Then after that, from 1977 to 1981, he was an assistant U.S. attorney for the District of New Jersey. Okay. So he's he's hanging in New Jersey. Great. Shout His home to state. The, to the flower state. What state is it? The Garden State. Garden, the garden state. state. The Garden State. Shout out to our friends to the south. Where is New Jersey? The it's to east the coast left. to me. It's to the left. Perfect. <laughs> the east coast map to me, I cannot get a grasp of. Well, because the way that it is on the map is not the actual direction. It's like southeast, and you're like, I don't know. It's to the left. I don't know where that can I be. I go left, yeah. and then I keep you go going left. left across the bridge. Absolutely, yes. So shout out to our friends who are just right there. Right there. Right there. After that, from 1981 to 1985, he was an assistant to the U.S. Solicitor General. That sounds Hello. familiar. I feel like somebody's done that before. I, they've, I feel like they've all done it. I know. They they've, all, they've all been assistant to the deputy traveling secretary the, oh, of recruitment. Well, you're going to love this next one. Great. Hit me. From 1985 to 1987, he was the deputy assistant to the U.S. Attorney General. I that, mean, I feel like we for sure, wasn't Kavanaugh that? One of them one was One of them was that. Was a deputy assistant. For sure. And we loved it. We just loved it. We <laughs> convulsed over it. It was amazing <laughs> in our lives. Uh-huh. And then in 1987 to 1990, he was named by President Ronald Reagan as the U.S. Attorney for the District of New Jersey. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. Okay, great. I mean, she's Ronald's God coming in. She's God. She's great. Right. On February 20th, 1990. President George H.W. Papa Bush nominated him to the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Third Circuit. So can, he clerked there, and then he got there. Amazing. I mean, Pop you know, stretches if you ever saw it. Seriously. I so mean, Papa two, Bush nominated him. From two school teachers to SCOTUS. Sure. Not really rags, yeah. but, you know. It's yeah, certainly not, you know, what's his it's face? It's a class had, like, jump. A, a mother who was a cabinet position. You know, that's... That's, that's, that's the, helpful. That's helpful. Just gets you right in the door there. Absolutely. And then on April 27, 1990, he was confirmed unanimously by the Senate on a voice vote. Great. So, great. Everybody was just like, yeah! Do it! Put him Get him in there! Put him yeah, in, coach! Yeah. Put him in the bench! One, two, three, not only you and me! <laughs> That's a quote from Britney Spears' hit song, Three. <laughs> okay, from 1990 to 2006, he was a judge on the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Third Circuit in Newark, New Jersey. Great. And then, of course, on October 31st, Happy Halloween, 2005, 
President George W. Baby Bush nominated Samuel Alito Jr. to replace Justice Sandra Day O'Connor on the bench of the Supreme Court. I feel like that's an equal swap. An interesting pick. You think it's an equal swap? Because she was kind of conservative, wasn't she? She wasn't like... I... She was like middle of the road. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. guess I just like put another woman there. I don't know. Oh, sure, sure, you know? for sure. I could have yes. taken the opportunity. Could have taken the opportunity. I, I to just yes, you know, yes. put a put you know, uh, uh, Samantha Alito Junior. Samantha there. Alito. <laughs> Samantha, please come down. You Samantha. are the next contestant on Scotus pick. Yes. Yeah. Not surprisingly, his confirmation was a touch contentious because he has a very conservative streak in the third court of appeals. So he was confirmed by the Senate 58 to 42. So again, sort of narrower margin. Really close. Yeah. Not as close as we're used to now, but still not a not a runaway. Not a runaway. Not 99 to 1. You know what I mean? Okay, so let's talk about his major cases, shall we? Major. So this Kassab. first one is actually one from the the U.S. Court of Appeals on the Third Circuit. It was like a huge reason why people were like not happy about his particular nomination, and we'll oh, okay. find out why. Great. So this is Planned Parenthood v. Casey, which ended up becoming a Supreme Court case, but. We're talking about it in the context of the third court. Interesting. Okay. Uh, The Court of Appeals. So this is in 1991. He's fresh on the bench. And this was all like literally from now on, it's all OYAs. So just this is all OYAs. OYAs. Because it's the best. So this is the nature of the case. These are the these are the facts of the case. Great. So the Pennsylvania legislature amended its abortion control law in 1988 and in 1989. Among the new provisions, the law required informed consent and a 24-hour waiting period prior to the procedure. A minor seeking an abortion required the consent of one parent. And a married woman seeking an abortion had to indicate that she notified her husband of her intent to abort the fetus. Ugh. These provisions were challenged by several abortion clinics and physicians. And a federal court, the, this federal court, so yeah. uh, upheld, the appeals court, upheld all the provisions except for the husband notification requirement. Okay. Which is what, it, what SCOTUS ended up also doing. So they were like, yes... Like, needing informed consent is fine. 24-hour waiting period is fine. Minor seeking an abortion, needing a parent is fine. But a woman notifying her husband, not fine. We're going to, like, nix that. (laughs) Okay. So the only person to dissent to that was Alito. Alito believed that the woman should have to notify her husband. Okay, fuck you. Which we love. Which we love. Okay. And Chief Justice William Rehnquist quoted Alito in his dissent. So when the Supreme Court basically matched what this appeals court said, he quoted this Alito quote. The Pennsylvania legislature could have rationally believed that some married women are initially inclined to obtain an abortion without their husband's knowledge because of perceived problems such as economic constraints, future plans, or the husband's previously expressed opposition. That may be abbreviated. 
Is that a word? Oh, obviated. So they could just obviated. Yeah. I can't, I can't read, but obviated <laughs> by discussion prior to the abortion. Yeah. So he was like, they could just talk it out. Right. She hasn't, like, like, obviously, if they just talk it out. Right. It'll be fine. She's just doing this because they hadn't had a chat. <laughs> it's like, Samuel. They hadn't talked about it. I think it's a little more, I think it's a little more than that. Yeah. So thankfully this, I mean, like, there's a lot of problems with all of these provisions, but for sure, at least this particular provision did not see the light of day. Oh my god! Um, I mean, really, yeah. that would be—it's like the the penultimate like man has say over women. Yes, like that is that is what it is. Yeah, I know you want this so, abortion, but I don't want it, and so even though it's inside you, you can't it. have it. I, you can't have it. No, no, no. So yes, that was very interesting, and also the fact that. Reinquist quoted Alito. I was just like, dude, get your own thoughts here. <laughs> like, don't, come on. Be your own Like, man. I know he's smart, you know, but like, you get your own thoughts on this. Like, don't, I feel like he was just taking Alito and being like, shield. <laughs> yeah, really? You, like, this guy, this guy said it. And honestly, like, maybe, maybe don't yes. At me, maybe don't yes. at me. I don't don't know. at me. No, don't at me. Don't at me. At him. And, like, they're not even on the same, like, you know, Alito's under him. So yeah. it's, it was interesting to see that. But yeah, anyhow, that is funny. so that's, that was pre-SCOTUS. Great. Which we love. So now we're, now we're on the bench, right? Okay. We're in SCOTUS. So this is, we've, oh, this is, to me, the most surprising thing about him. Okay. Is this case. Okay. So this is Snyder v. Phelps in 2011. Great. And I think you'll recognize this case once I talk about it. So here are the facts of this case. The family of the deceased Marine Lance Corporal Matthew Snyder filed a lawsuit against the members of the Westboro Baptist Church who picketed at his funeral. The family accused the church and its founders of defamation, evasion of privacy, and the intentional inflict- infliction of emotional distress for displaying signs that said, quote, thank God for dead soldiers, and quote, I'm not going to say that, at Snyder's funeral. <laughs> I don't have to say no, it. No, don't say it. You, it's bad. It's, it's, it's the Westboro Baptist Church. We know they're awful. Yes, yes. U.S. District Judge Richard Bennett awarded the family $5 million in damages, but the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fourth Circuit held that the judgment violated the First Amendment protections on religious expression. The church member's speech is protected, quote, notwithstanding the distasteful and repugnant nature of the words, end quote. So in an eight to one, the question was, are, is this protected? Do they have a first right, first amendment right to freedom of expression, religion, protest, all that stuff. That's, that's what they're considering. And an eight to one decision upholding the church's right to protest. Alito was the lone dissent stating, quote, our profound national commitment to free and open debate is not a license for the vicious verbal assault that occurred in this case. Wow, that and, is and really And mind you, surprising. this is 2011, and the people who are, like, the eight that are agreeing are, like, Clarence Thomas, obviously. Right. John Roberts, right. obviously. But you also have RBG, you have Elena Kagan, you have Sotomayor, and then you have Breyer, and then you have Alita, who's like, actually, no. No. And it's, like, this weird deviation because constitutionally, yeah, like, you have this constitutional right that they're obviously abusing, but it's still, like the right you know and right. alito's like no actually it's like profoundly gross so therefore they actually don't have the right 
That's so trippy. Wow. I know. I know. And I saw that and I was like, what? That's so weird. Like, I get, like, I get it. And right. also, I think I have a... I have a theory that I'll tie into later, but yeah, this was the one that like tripped me up that made me be like, okay, let's have a coffee. And I just want to, because to me, I'm like, obviously I don't believe that these people should be doing what they're doing and they should rot. But like everything that precedent has told us is that you have the right to free speech and expression and like religion has all of the rights. And for Alita, like, who's uber conservative, to be like, well, no, because it's not a license for vicious verbal assault that occurred in this case. It's like, okay. Right. Intrigue. That's so, I mean, like, he's, yeah, because the line is usually, like, endangerment of other people, not. Yeah, right. To, like, like inciting uh, violence. Right. That's, like, that's the thing. Like, right. what does incite violence? To right. me, I think this incites violence. But, like, apparently it doesn't, you know. Right. Wow, but if, that's... like, our our liberal, like, mothers are in the eight and Samuel Alito's on the one, I'm just like, what that world is really, am I living in? That is really bizarre. Wow. All so right. I did want to share that with you. Because For I was sure. Like, who, who is she? Who knew? So let's let's move on to something that's a little more, I would say, Samuel Alito-esque. Great. This one we all remember. This is such a fun case. Okay. So this is Burewell v. Hobby Lobby in 2014. I for sure found the Hobby Lobby in Toledo, Ohio when I was visiting and flipped her off. I for sure did that. That picture is on the Facebook. It's so amazing. Yeah. So the for those of you who don't know this case, it's so much fun. And this these are the facts of the case. Um, here we go. So under the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act, let's call her the ACA, employment-based group health care plans must provide certain types of preventative care, such as FDA-approved contraceptive methods. While there are exemptions available for religious employers and nonprofit religious institutions, there are no exemptions available for for-profit institutions such as Hobby Lobby Stores Incorporated. Mm-hmm. On September 12, 2012, the Greens, a representatives of Hobby Lobby, sued Kathleen Sibelius. Sibelius. Sibelius, yep. the Secretary of the Department of Health and Human Services. She got a lot of lawsuits and challenged the contraceptive requirement. The plaintiffs argued that the requirement that the employment-based group health care plan cover contraception violated the Free Exercise Clause of the First Amendment and the Religious Freedom Restoration Act of 1993. So in a 5-4 decision, Alito wrote the opinion in favor for Hobby Lobby. Oh my god. And this is this is a quote from Oye is about the the decision great quote the court up the court held that congress intended for the free religious freedom restoration act of 1993 to be read as applying to corporations since they are composed of individuals who use them to achieve desired ends because the contraception requires focus religious corporations to fund what they consider abortion which goes against their stated religious principles or face significant fines, it creates a substantial burden that is not that is not the least restrictive method of satisfying the government interests. So corporations are people. Have we seen it before? We uh something to do with money. There was a money, money, case. money, money. 
must be funny in a rich man's world. Ah, yeah. Uh, I like how oh, corporations man. are people when it comes to things like women's campaign health finance and, and campaign abortion. finance, but they're not, not even people. abortion, birth control, right? Yeah, yeah. I know, and like immigrants are aliens. You know what I mean? Like it's oh, just it's, it's so it boggles the mind. It boggles the mind. But I love reading like these two cases back to back, and I'm just like, okay, crazy. And then we get to Hobby Lobby, and I'm like, okay, right, 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 right. right. And you we're know. back. What I found interesting is, I, like, he's written a lot of opinions on cases that are dicey. Yeah. You could say, uh huh. I've, I've, I just found him. I mean, I. I've only listed a couple that I found interesting, but I would just be looking at once and I'd be like, oh my God, he did that? Good God, you know? Right. I feel like every time a dicey one comes along, Roberts is like, oh, it's got to be me or Alito. <laughs> <laughs> Sammy, you want to take this one we up? Put, I, I did we the put last Thomas one. on this. People are going to freak Kavanaugh. We can only give the ones that are unanimous. So shit. <laughs> shit. It's you. It's you, Sammy it's boy. It's you or me, dude. If they like flip a coin and they're like, oh, right. Alito's right. like, fine. I'll take the Hobby Lobby one. <gasps> Whatever. Oh my God. Okay. The next one in 2015. So one year later. This is King v. Burewell. This is also for the Affordable Care Act. As you can tell, this is what's dominating SCOTUS's time. So from OYA's, in this case, the ACA required each state to establish a, quote, exchange through which people could purchase health care coverage. And if a state elected not to do so, the federal government would establish one through the Secretary of Health and Human Services. The ACA also required people to obtain the minimum essential coverage or pay a tax penalty unless they fell within an unaffordability exemption for low income of individuals. To limit the number of people that would fall into such an exemption, the ACA provided for tax credits that are calculated based on the health plan in which the individual enrolls through the exchange. So although the legislative language of the ACA pertaining to the tax credits only referred to the exchanges established by the states, the Internal Revenue Service, or the IRS, created a regulation that made the tax credits available to those enrolled in plans through federal as well as state exchanges. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Virginia, Virginia, <laughs> remember her? She I, de- I She recall. declined... She declined to establish a state-run exchange and has one operated by the federal government. The plaintiffs are a group of Virginia residents who, without the tax credits, would fall under the unaffordability exception and be exempt from having to purchase health insurance. They sued and argued that the IRS regulation exceeded the agency's statutory authority and is arbitrary and capricious and is contrary to the law in violation of the Administrative Procedure Act. Wow. Very stressful. So the whole question was, yeah. for this case, did the IRS permissibly create a regulation that extended the tax credits the Affordable Care Act authorized to federal exchanges as well as those created by states? But it, it I mean, like, if you just look at the bill, it doesn't, right? Like, it doesn't give the IRS that authority. It's just, it gives it to the states. Right. Yeah. So uh, the court ruled 6-3 in favor of the ACA, obviously, and obviously Alito joined in that dissent. Like, again, we're just seeing him pop up where he should. 
you know. Right. This next one is quick because I just wanted to throw it in there. Oh, because we is, talked about this. We talk about this all the time. I, I think I've pretty much brought it up in every person that applies who was on the bench when this happened. This is, of course, Obergefell v. Hodges in 2015, which is, of course, we know it, we love it. It was the court case that legalized gay marriage throughout the United States. And sort of not surprisingly, Alito was one of the four dissenting justices. Uh, This is from Oye's in his separate dissent, because like all of the four justices who dissented were like, I'm just going to write my own thing. Of why I dissent. Of why I, I think hate everybody, the gays. Right. Well, everybody wanted to be like, look, this is not about hating the gays. This is just about saying the founding fathers hated the gays. And they didn't write it. They didn't write it on the parchment. Ergo, we can't have it. We can't have you. Because it's not on the parchment. It's on the parchment. You know? gay, gay did not exist during the parchment Gay days. didn't exist. It was not real. Exist. Not real. Not real. Not real. No. So in his separate dissent, Justice Samuel Alito uh, wrote that the Constitution does not address the right of same-sex couples to marry. Oh my God, and therefore, an the issue is reserved to the states to decide whether to depart from the traditional definition of marriage. By allowing a majority of the court to create a new right, the majority opinion dangerously strayed from the democratic process and greatly expanded the power of the judiciary beyond what the Constitution allowed. Justice Scalia and Justice Thomas joined in his dissent. That's such bullshit because even if, like, the, the, like, the Constitution also says that black people are three-fourths of a human and we don't have that anymore. So, like, right? hi. That's such bullshit. Yeah. I, I mean, I just love, I mean, I know that every politician, every government person, like, picks and chooses what they like to hear. Yeah. But sometimes it's just so obvious that they're being assholes. Totally. Well, but what's interesting about Alito to me is like, okay, like this is this explanation, this dissent. I'm like, yes, that is the dissent that everybody uses, which is it's not it's not in the Constitution. It should be left up to the state. Sure. Okay, fine. Now there is environmental protection and there's a whole agency about it. But then you like go back to the the Westboro case, which is a clear constitutional First Amendment case of like... You have this right to, like, just so much precedent on First Amendment, free speech, freedom of religion. Like, you know, like, yes, they're assholes. Absolutely. They're the worst people on the planet. But there's, like, there's so much precedent to be like, we've we've dug this grave. Right. And this is the grave we have to lie in. And he's going to be like, no, it's it's vicious. Like, this is not, like, this is not what they intended. They're too mean. They're too mean. I'm like, you're interpreting. Yeah. That is a total interpretation. My my love, my dove, and I, 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 you know, not against your interpretation, right? But it's not like I just feel like we can't we can't be literal and and then be picky and choosy, right? It's not like the First Amendment says freedom of speech and religion unless it's mean, right? Unless you don't like it, unless it paints exactly. your religion in a very unfortunate light. Exactly right. So, yeah, I just found that to be, this is why I just don't, I don't get it. I don't, No. there's something I'm just like, this doesn't make sense to me. No, it's, it's, it's against the grain. It's against it's the a, grain. It's against the grain from our, from our Samuel Alito. Yeah. Okay. So I wanted to throw in a current one. Oh, great. Like this one was just decided. And I decided to do this one because I remember hearing about this and being like, that's interesting. 
So this one was decided, I think, like a month ago. Oh my God. Like I think it was in mid-March. And this is Hernandez v. Mesa. So this is 2020. And these are the facts of this case. Sergio Hernandez, a 15-year-old Mexican national, was playing with friends in the cement culvert between El Paso, Texas and Ciudad Juarez, Mexico. Border Patrol agent Jesus Mesa Jr. arrived on the scene and detained one of Hernandez's friends on U.S. territory. Hernandez ran into Mexican territory and stood by a pillar near the culvert. From U.S. territory, Mesa fired at least two shots across the border at Hernandez, one of which struck Hernandez in the face and killed him. Holy shit! Did you not hear about this? No! Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's a whole thing. Hernandez's parents filed a lawsuit against the officer and various other defendants uh, alleging violation of their son's Fourth and Fifth Amendment rights. The Fifth Circuit held that Hernandez lacked Fourth Amendment rights, but his parents were entitled to a remedy under Bivens v. Sixth Unknown named agents, which holding an implied cause of action against federal government officials who had violated the plaintiff's constitutional rights. Um, That's that case. And the officer was not entitled to qualified immunity. So that's what the appeals court held. The question was, should federal courts recognize a damages claim under Bivens if plaintiffs plausibly allege that a rogue federal law enforcement officer violated clearly established Fourth and Fifth Amendment rights for which there is no alternative legal remedy? And the five to four decision was in favor of the shooter, obviously. The shooter, yeah. Um, <laughs> the court's decision in Bivens does not extend to the claims based on a cross-border shooting by a federal law enforcement officer. And it was like, the decision is really layered, so I didn't put it in here. But it's, yeah. you have to have like certain, like there has to be certain things that you qualify to have, like that allow you to qualify for this case, basically, that they're talking about Bivens. And they decided that this case, this particular instance did not um, meet those qualifications. So this is insane. I mean, I 15 year old who was shot. I remember like like, hearing about something. I I didn't know the names. I didn't know that. I didn't know the names attached to it. I remember hearing that like something like this happened. Um, Yeah. And that there's just like, there's no, there's no. He just like shot. Remedy. Like, from a distance. From a distance. I just, I like, why is it, why is it Hernandez v. Mesa and not, like, the ACLU v. Mesa? Like, I feel like they're. I don't know. I mean, they may be involved, but, uh, like. That's so You know, as far as, like, helping. But, yeah. yeah, I I don't know why, why it's just them. But, yeah, it's really interesting that. Because if you think about all of the facts of the case, which are like this, this 15 year old was at a distance. Right. So, I mean, like, unless the officer claims that they were. What could you even weapon? Like, like there's like, that's the only re that's the only reason that you could justify pulling your gun. And even then it's like, you can, I mean, he could be clapping his hands and you could say, oh, he's reaching for his gun, you know? Right, right, right. So, but that, but there's no mention of any sort of, like, weapon. Like, there's nothing. So, I don't know. It, I remember this decision coming out and everybody being pissed. And I was like, all right, well, let's talk about that one. Yeah. And, oh, to tie it in, Alito wrote the opinion. So. Oh, God. 
That's what I'm saying. It's just like, oh, give it to Alito, you know, the ones that are not going to be popular. Oh, my God. It's just. And you know what? It's not popular. It's not popular. No. No. I'm not. It's not popular. Nope. So those are some of his cases. Can you believe? I can, actually, except for the one. They seem pretty on point. I know, but then you have this one. Then you have the one that's like. it just bothers me. It is really weird. I mean, it's the clearly something it's- that's, like, self-serving. Like, he doesn't like that his religion is being bastardized by these people. And so he's saying, I don't want right. – he's basically like, I don't want them saying this. So I'm going to say that you can't be mean, even though if yeah. I was to call a woman a slut, that's mean, and that would be legal. Yeah. But I mean, just- there's no difference. But his – but the whole dissent argument doesn't – line up with anything no. that he no. says before or after. No, it's, I mean it, it's it's, so it's, our, it's like immediately like it's it's hypocritical in the in the Hobby Lobby case where it's yeah. like or no no not Hobby Lobby. Uh the Obergefell case where it's like there's this isn't in the constitution. Mm-hmm. And you're lo- I'm like what? What? Show me where um like, Madison thought that it was, like, okay to say whatever you want unless it was mean. Or Hamilton. <laughs> like, unless it was His mean. diary. Because <laughs> that queen, Madison that queen was, was mean. Madison was very sensitive. And he very was mean. And for that, we stan. We stan. We stan his meanness. Yeah. Okay, let's talk. Let's close it out on some fun facts. Oh, my God. Was there a bike involved in any of these? There is no bike. Like the there, I feel like there would be no fun facts that that hold a candle no. to the two bike accidents that Stephen Breyer went through. It's really astounding. So, okay, all right, it's all astounding. Right. So, first fun fact: in 1972, the Princeton Yearbook notes his intention to someday quote warm a seat on the supreme court there a statement was truer than that he is keeping I the don't. seat warm it is not i don't active. like the term warm he is on the bench i don't love it i don't love it <laughs> he did it he did do it he and god did bless do it. yes also uh, this i found oh go what i just think it's funny that these that colleges had yearbooks back when like 12 people oh, were in a class. Right. And they were all white men. And they were all white men. It was like, the we 70s. need a yearbook. <laughs> we Meanwhile, need a yearbook to remember these times. Remember us, these us guys were just hanging about with our books and our, our beers and our whatever have yous, you know? <laughs> Meanwhile, Columbia graduates like a thousand people per class now. And it's like, oh my God, that book would oh, be yeah. 18,000 pages long. Are you kidding? A big book. A big book. And we love that. Yeah. This next fun fact I found super interesting. He argued 12 cases in front of the Supreme Court prior to becoming a judge. Yeah. The first being in 1982. Oh, he's a baby. That's so crazy. You know. According to the Martin Quinn score, which is how conservative and liberal you are. Yeah. He is the second most conservative justice on the bench at 1.74%. For context, Thomas is 3.09, and Gorsuch is at 1.32. So he's more in line with, I would say, Gorsuch than Thomas. Is is zero the center? Yes. Got it. Yes. Got it. So the higher the number, the more out of there you are. Like, 
Thomas is a three-ish on the conservative, and Sotomayor is a three-ish on the liberal. Capish, capish. So, Got it. Yes. So now we're going to unpin his ROTC moment. Okay, for great. For this fun fact. Great. While at Princeton during the Vietnam War was happening. Yep. So he drew a low draft number. He was able to defer due to his studies and enrolled in ROTC so that if slash when he would be drafted, he would go in as a higher rank. He finally served in the Army Reserve and he served from 1972 to 1980 with three active months from September to December of 1975. He was honorably discharged in 1980 as a captain. And I believe he is our only military person on the bench. Okay, good for him. Yeah. But isn't that, yeah, he was just like. I do right, love well. that he was drafted and he was like, I'm studying. And then he got drafted again and he was like, I'm still studying. And then yeah. he was like, okay, I've been drafted twice. The country needs me. Let me do what I was supposed to do, even though I'm not going to war when I was drafted. Like, he's still trying to, like, uphold yeah. some kind of, like, moral code. Like, I can appreciate that. And he stayed in for, he was on the, in for, the like, eight years. For eight yeah. years. That's, yeah, that's intense. All right. I give him props for that. Res- he didn't have to. We respect. We respect. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he was a college graduate from Yale talk about all the privilege I mean he had the privilege yeah. to defer so yeah. you know there's yeah. a lot of privilege there but uh he did have three active three active months of service yep. and for that we thank you this last fun fact I think is super funny so I saved it for last so while attending President Obama's 2010 State of the Union address before Congress Alito apparently responded to Obama's criticism of the Citizens United ruling when he said Quote, last week, the Supreme Court reversed a century of law that I believe will open the floodgates for special interests, including foreign corporations, to spend without limits in our elections. I don't think American elections should be bankrolled by America's most powerful interests or worse, by foreign entities, end quote. Wincing and shaking his head, Alito mouthed the words, not true. This is apparently a big scandal at the time. But you know what, Sam? Now we have Russia. So, so thanks, Sam. Thanks, Sammy Sam. Is Obama a prophet? Perhaps. Perhaps. Or perhaps he was just smart enough to be like, I see where this is going. I see problems. And I foresee badness to the I nth degree badness. in the form of a Russian dictator. Or, I like, know. I, yes. Or Russia interfering with a major election, aka the presidential yes. election, aka yes. 2016. It happened. Crazy. I, but that, but I do love this kind of like ballsy move of like, um, because like they the justices sit in the front row, you right. know, they're like right there, yeah, they're, they're a they're a spitting distance away from the president, and I just see Samuel Alito being like, no, not true, it's not like like looking over at Thomas, that's not true, that's not what we did, no, no, that's not, that's not true, it's not true, and like RBG's asleep and it's just like, <laughs> she's just like what. She's just, um, well, yes, we did. Russia's coming. I told you uh, how long. I, I have told to you do not this to do for. it. They didn't listen to me. I said boys not to will do be it. Boys. I dissented. And nevertheless, I dissent. I dissent. Like, what's Ugh. <laughs> oh, so. That's crazy. Yeah, I was like, but but it was a, apparently a big old, <gasps> look what Alito did. He's, he he uh, rebuted the president yep. in real time. In real time. In front of us, vice. Wow. That's Alito for you. All right. He's. What do you, what do you think? I think he's defensive. Sure. I think he's I would, a, I I think would be he's curious a defensive see, person. 
I, I'm sure he's a defensive person. I'm sure he's very much like, I am correct. Yeah. This is right. Yeah. I'm sure I would be very frustrated having a cup of coffee with him. It would be an, uh, an argument the entire time. Sure. Yeah. Where he would be like, mm, you can't change my mind. And I yeah. would be like, that's why you're a problem. Right. Who's the one? Was it, was it Thomas who's like, if. Like, I don't need to, I don't need to hear your verbal arguments. Like, you should put it in yes. the brief. And I basically come decided. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he, like, didn't, he, like, doesn't necessarily believe in oral argument. Thomas just, like, doesn't believe in how the Supreme Court operates. Right. And so glad he's on it. Is, so glad he's so on it. So love to see it. Um, Simply just love the work that he's doing sort of day in and day out. Yeah, yeah. Real stellar. But, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to think about him. He just... I mean, what's there to say? It's not true. It's not true. <laughs> not true. No. You're lying. Barack. It's not true. We didn't do That's that. not what I said. I'm just what I read, said. The dis- read the opinion. It's not oh what God. I said. Oh, my God. So, but yeah, guys, that is Samuel Alito. Oh, my God. We, we made it through all of the conservative... Appointed we did. the we Republican just have the appointed justices. Yeah, now we yeah. just have RBG. We just have RBG. And just, what a just we're gonna have RBG. Just, we should do that with alcohol for sure. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Just to treat ourselves to the fun that is her. We should find a good like RBG cocktail or like what her favorite booze of choice is. It's probably yeah. chamomile tea. Yeah, or like the tears of her subordinates. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> the tears of the men who've cried before her, <laughs> which I'm sure are many. And drink them up. Yeah. Yeah. So we will end this. Uh, we will end this series with RBG. But guys, we want to keep the series of biopic biopics going. Yes. So send us in your ideas if you want to hear an episode about somebody specific. Yeah. Because quite simply, I love researching these people. It's so interesting. interesting. And just when you think like, you're like, oh, I think I know that person. You find something that you're like, oh, oh, I You find two bike accidents and a machete. And a machete. And you're like, oh, Justice Breyer taught us (laughs) anything. It is do not judge a book by his cover. At all. Dust off that book jacket and find the gem inside. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He walked away from that machete incident unscathed. Unbelievable. How there is not a major motion picture about that man, I will not understand. Give us time. Give us time. Yep. But yes, send in your ideas, people. We will literally do them. Why? Because we have nothing else to do. We are locked down. We are locked down. So now is the time. Learn something new. Expand your horizons. But in the meantime... We love you so, so much. And if you like what you heard, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Get Civical. You can rate us, you can review us, and you can subscribe to us. We love you so, so much, and we will see you next Wednesday. Goodbye. Goodbye.